Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Toe Meets Love podcast. I'm Logan. Here with me today, as always, are Andrew and Artem. Artem, I'm going to start with you. How are things out in Texas? Not hot anymore, so we're good. I know. It's quite a change. We're finally starting to feel the breeze out here in uh, North Carolina. It's been a, It's been taking a while, but I think we're actually going to drop below 30 for the first time uh, tomorrow morning, although in the afternoon it's still going to be in the high 70s, so we'll see. Uh, quite a disparity. Andrew, what's the temperatures like out in te- Tennessee? And then I had to turn my air conditioning back on. And then I had to turn my heat back on again. And then I had to turn my air conditioning back on. It won't make a damn mind. <laughs> That's the weather for you. Oh, man. It reminds me of Georgia and pretty much anywhere else, I guess, at the most part. Well... As much as fun as it is to talk about weather, we're here to talk about football. And speaking of things that can't make up their mind, uh, the Coastal has become the circle of suck again. What with the total chaos that happened last week. Miami, of course, lost to Georgia Tech. We were so happy about that that we didn't stop to think of the consequences uh, and the impact that it would have after they had beat Virginia and and all the other teams that were involved. We've got to, I can't run through, I'm not going to run through them all, just suffice to say, the Coastal is up for grabs for pretty much anybody except maybe Georgia Tech. Uh, we're kind of in a unique situation, but hey, that's college football. Andrew, you're more of the ACC nut, so I'll start with you. What does this uh, Coastal situation mean to you other than uh, standard state of affairs? I think it's the idea that the, the division struggles because the the teams are so close together talent wise as well as you know even even when they're not they're not the best coached teams you know like as well as you got a lot of luck I mean Miami lost the game to Georgia Tech because they missed three field goals you know like that's that's what happened and so you know you, you never know who's really going to beat up on each other to me Virginia's still got to be the favorite. That early against Pitt was really, really well, and then they blew out Duke, which also really, really helps. So the other two teams that are kind of with them, they've already beaten. Uh, so, I mean, the big question is going to be, can they beat UNC, and then can they finally exercise the team at the end of the year and beat Virginia Tech? Because, I mean, if you were to look at it, even – I mean, you could even argue that Georgia Tech is not very good, but – we could beat enough teams, you know. If we if we went out, hypothetically, we could still win the division. I mean, we would need Duke and Carolina to lose, but one of them is going to lose this, so we don't wouldn't need nearly as much help as we would think. I mean, I don't expect us to because we suck. But okay, Artem. But uh, I mean, coming from the outside looking in, uh, obviously, the SEC's kind of makes its uh, knack about consistency. Uh, but oddly enough, I heard a kind of a, them talking about what makes the SEC interesting on the talk radio before was the upsets that go along uh, with it. Is it just that the bigger team names means that the upsets uh, don't have as much of an impact on the record? Or, I mean, I guess how do you perceive this kind of situation where a lot of upsets in the Coastal seems to be hurting the teams and the uh, conference more so? than it would in the SEC, essentially. 
I don't think it's hurting them really. Um, I look at the records of the schools, and you got seven and zero Clemson, six and one Wake Forest, Boston College, Louisville, uh, Duke, Virginia Tech, Pitt, Virginia. Still aiming for a game. You know that's that's eight schools qualified for a bowl. That's what you want, and you want to be you want these guys to look like they fought against each other pretty tough and then go on and hopefully beat somebody in a bowl game. And when they do that, that's when you get that image that you're talking about of, oh, man, that upset was big. Like, they're actually good because they beat that other school. And it's the whole, like, you beat me, so I beat you, and and all, all the other, like, trans, um, um, what do you call it, transmutational wins where just because you beat somebody and they beat somebody, you're better than that other person. Yeah, the uh, transitive property. Yeah, definitely. Transitive property. There we go. <laughs> Uh, I would calm down on the Georgia Tech guy for now. I think they need to win at least one more conference game before we start talking about winning out, um, like Andrew said. But it was a big win. Uh, I think very surprising for everybody and kind of cool. So I think when when you have the the schools that you guys, I feel like, had this feeling that you guys were tanking and there's just not a lot of consistency, a lot of injuries, nothing happening, and then bam, you have a win like this, kind of reignites the the passion for the fan base and at the same time now you're like well we can beat anybody so now people start watching those games well we can definitely beat anybody in the coastal i mean it's just kind of the way it works i don't know that we could beat georgia right now but anything can happen you know i i i like it from a fan perspective because it does lead to situations like uh the miracle on techwood drive and i guess that kind of as you point out where you get big upsets with teams that you wouldn't necessarily expect to pull them off. Uh, I mean, Georgia Tech has had a few of those in the past. But it, it does kind of slap you around a bit when you've got a 1-5 team coming in and beating a potential contender for the Coastal. It makes you look at it and go, well, wait, how did that happen? Uh, were they that good to begin with? All those kind of cancerous questions, uh, which can become dangerous, especially when you want to be taken seriously. Um, I think it's just, uh, something that you have to live with, uh, as you, uh, as you move forward. But I guess my final part of that would be, um, Artem, since you were talking it up so much, does that make you want to watch the ACC more knowing that there are these potential upsets going on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, before, um, just through being friends with you guys and knowing Tommy and having a lot of people that I know that went to Georgia Tech, I'd watch some Georgia Tech games all the time because you guys were competitive all the time. But this season, honestly, didn't even turn it on for this one just because I already had something else going on and I wasn't watching the game to begin with. But now I'm like, all right, well, what's going on with Georgia Tech? Why did they lose, you know, what, five games and now they beat Miami, which supposedly has a good defense and the consistent recruiting that is uh, purposed at defense. Your head coach is a defensive guy, and he comes in and loses a game to Georgia Tech, which had a questionable offense. They ran up, what, how many yards did you guys put on them? Like 250 uh, rushing? Something crazy. So, I don't know. It's, it's fun to watch. Fun games are fun to watch. Um, I th- I'd say the other part of it is something you mentioned, you know, um, a big team coming in. I think right now, ACC has one elite team. It used to be like Florida State, Clemson, maybe one or two others. Um, But now I think it's just been Clemson for a while. So honestly, that image actually makes it worse. If Clemson loses, sure, they lose some of that elite status, but they've been good for a while and won a couple of championships. So, 
you want like a team like Wake Forest to potentially upset them and maybe make it to the the conference championship game. That way, the conference championship of like a Wake Forest, Pitt, or Virginia is actually interesting to watch instead of us stomping uh, like it was a year or two ago by Clemson. I think did play Pitt. It was like thirty-five-zero or something, or it was a Miami. Um, so you don't want to see another one of those. You want to see a competitive one. And if Clemson then doesn't make it, then Clemson's pissed off next year. So you have all these kind of storylines. I think that's what more why, why more people why people think SEC has more of that competitive style. It's because you have the big teams that lose and they come back next season, and you have that storyline that you can develop. It's all about storyline more so than you know even the rankings. So I guess the storyline just isn't quite there for the ACC yet. Uh, Andrew, do you agree with that opinion? Do you think that, I guess, Artem seems to think that the parody in the ACC makes it more watchable, but do you feel like it would be better to have a solid storyline to go off of? I think the parody makes it more watchable. Watchable. I will agree with that. It's it's fun to watch a league where you don't really know what's going to happen week to week, where there is a lot of surprise, there's a lot of oh, man, you know, Georgia Tech beat Miami this week. But my big thing is the ACC doesn't get the benefit of the doubt, uh, kind of like the Pac-12 to an extent. I mean, you look at it, the SEC gets the benefit of the doubt, even though who's to say how good a three-loss Texas A&M team is, you know, or a, a three-loss Florida. Yeah, well, they're not three-loss now, but, you know, that's the thing is it's still the idea of what is your name, what is your brand. You know, it's why we talk about everyone wants Florida State to be good again. Everyone wants Miami to be good again. Well, but why can't that be Wake Forest? You know, well, what if you have a Wake Forest that comes in and does what Clemson's done? You know, what if what if you have a Duke? What if you have, I mean, even a Pitt? I mean, teams that aren't known as traditional powerhouses, but build that level. I mean, why does it have to be Florida State? Why does it have to be Miami? Like, that's what bothers me, is everyone's so stuck on name, brand, who they are, you know, if, if the, I, I swear if the top teams in the SEC West were Arkansas and Ole Miss and Alabama and LSU were having down years, people would be like, Oh, well, we need Alabama to be back. We need, we need LSU to be back. You know, or if you, you look at the East, you look at the East when, when Georgia was terrible, Tennessee was terrible and Florida was terrible. Everyone talked about how terrible the East was. No one talked about a two loss Missouri or South Carolina winning the division, or anything like that. Everyone wanted to say, oh, well, the big names we care about, you know, they suck, so that means the division sucks. You know, it's, it's like, no. I mean, if you want good teams, it shouldn't matter who they are. We should do a segment on that, because uh, it's definitely happened before, right, where teams kind of reinvented themselves. To an extent, but, I mean, if you really look at the history of college football, this, the, the, your traditional powers have been your traditional powers. Well, and we're actually you know. we're actually about to talk in our next segment about a bunch of teams that are kind of in that struggle where this year, I mean, we talked about Wake Forest, but I think the big undefeateds right now, you know, Baylor, SMU, uh, I think there there's another one. Who am I forgetting? Not Appalachian State. There's another one though. Oh, crap. Now I feel bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, UCF. No, they lost a pit. So they're out now? Well, yeah, because they lost a game. <laughs> the first game in, like, 36? Boise, Boise was undefeated, but they just lost recently. They, yeah. Did they lose recently? Yeah, they lost uh, last week. Um, 
But yeah, there's another team that's undefeated. I can't think of them right now. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's teams out there that are very talented, clearly. And I mean, if we're looking at Baylor, Baylor, uh, despite us not really taking notice of them, or at least maybe me as the leader of this podcast, not really taking notice of them, they've been um, consistently pretty good in the Big 12. They haven't been able to challenge, but they've been doing pretty well for themselves. They're looking at eight and nine win seasons pretty consistently. They're undefeated so far, 7-0. and uh, And then SMU, who has really turned uh, kind of a corner in their history, gone 7-0 and for the first time in God knows how long and have kind of pulled off a lot of stats that are surprising people and are looking to be a potential champ- champion of the American. The problem is that neither of those teams really have a lot of name recognition uh, and – so I don't think they're going to pull the same kind of viewership as, you know, say um, Oklahoma or Alabama or Georgia, for that matter, any of those teams. But uh, they're obviously very talented. I just don't think they get the same credit. And maybe that's college football in general. But, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I Andrew, you were kind of on a roll there. Do you want to kind of feed into that? I think it's the same thing that you see in Major League Baseball. Everyone always talks about how Major League Baseball wants a, a Yankees-Dodgers World Series or you know big teams in big markets that bring in eyeballs nationally and do all this stuff. And they're like, oh my goodness, we're getting a, a Nationals-Astros World Series that nobody's going to watch. You know, the argument about the NBA, too. You know, they want Boston. They want L.A. They want the big programs, the history. But, you know, you look at what the Raptors have done. You know, you look at some of these teams that have kind of built themselves out of nowhere, and you're talking about Baylor. I mean, Baylor was awful. I mean, Baylor has not been a good team since the Big 12 was created. Their Big 12 record is 172 wins and 242 losses. They have a winning record against I was going to say, I remember when they were garbage before the, the cheating and the prostitution stuff. Like they had a winning season in 1995, they went seven and five. They would not have a winning season again until 2010, when they went seven and six with RG3. Yeah, like that's that's 20 years. Is somebody check my math? 15 years <laughs> of not having a winning season, and then you know Bryles built them up, and then turns out he was a complete piece of shit scumbag. I mean, in Matt Rule's first season, they were 1-10. So, I mean, Rule's really done a good job of dragging them back out. But, yeah, they to me, they are a good example of a team that wasn't great and has created some level of sustained success. But, again, people still care about, well, why isn't Texas any good? You know, or it's okay. You look at Baylor's schedule, their best wins against Iowa State. You know, they haven't played Oklahoma. They haven't played Texas. You know, the two big hitters, we think, in the Pac-12. But, yeah, they're the number 14-ranked team in the country, as opposed to an App State team that's, I don't know, played the same level of schedule in my mind. It, it's down on the bottom. You know, or imagine if this was Kansas. If this was a 7-0 Kansas, they wouldn't be ranked 14. Come on. I, I don't know if it was a 7-0 Kansas and they had the same schedule. I don't know that they would be ranked at all. But uh... – they they'd be ranked because they're a they'd be a power five 
have undefeated seven games into the season. I mean, that's I mean, a power five that's that, that's undefeated that late in the season will always be. So where do you think? So where do you think? Like twenty three or something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Wake's Wake's six and one, and they're way down at the bottom. They're lost to a, a Louisville team that honestly is better than I expected, but you know they haven't played Clemson yet. I mean, I like how we're just kind of hitting on all our topics of this week at one time. But, yeah, uh, I mean, it does bring up a good point. I mean, you've got the team rankings or something that also follows a lot of name recognition. Although I will say it has gotten better in recent years because at least, you know, teams like App State are getting ranked uh, for going undefeated. Yeah, but but if, if that was Florida State at 7-1 and one with a loss to that same Louisville team, they'd be in the top 15. If that was a one-loss Miami, they'd be in the top fifteen. You're talking because about- it's Wake Forest. It, it, say, say it was Florida State with Wake Forest record completely seven and one. Do you think that they would only be ranked in twenty third, twenty fourth? Because no, they'd be they'd be in the top fifteen easily. And actually, honestly, if the loss was early enough in the season, they might be knocking on the door of the. T- I mean, that's a fair point. I think the part of the problem is there's also a gauging of where we rank the conferences that you don't see in other sports because they kind of view everything as being equal. And that's just not the case here. Um, but, yeah, you're right. If it was FSU or, heck, even Syracuse, after all the hype they were getting going into the season, if they were ranked that high, if they had gotten that record, they might be uh, ranked pretty high, uh, Consider all things considered. I think it's also about building a narrative, which was something that Artem was talking about. But Yeah, I, I'm, I'm wanting to pull up Utah's schedule. So Utah lost to USC, and their best win is, a at the time, number 17-ranked Arizona State. I think Utah's a very, very good team, but their schedule doesn't tell you that. You know, So why, why is a one-loss Utah 12th and a one-loss Wake Forest 23rd? Because we hyped Utah coming into the year, and we didn't hype Wake. Well, and I do want to talk about uh, Artem. I don't want you to just have to sit in the quiet corner all day, so I want to bring this up with you. I've been talking with my dad about this a lot recently. I feel like a lot of the SEC games that are ranked, uh, the way they get ranked is because of the narrative and because it sells tickets. You know, I mean, they don't have to rank LSU number two, but they know Alabama and LSU are going to play, so... Let's rank them number two. Somebody's going to get knocked out, and we can move Clemson back up into the top four whenever that happens, you know, because one of those teams is going to have to lose. I, I don't think they're thinking about it as a, like, actual positioning move. I think they're thinking of it as a let's do what's going to sell the most tickets and get the most viewers. Do you have any thoughts on that matter? I mean, I think absolutely the media takes a small shred of truth and then – does as much as possible with it to sell. And we talk about you know markets and traditional powers. There's a reason they're there for that case. I think the the South is a more football centric playground and as a larger market for football um, traditionally than than the North has had, especially the Northeast. I'm sorry, and we all know the Dakotas have plenty of football players. But I think that's that's a huge part of it and. Uh, when you have some, when I say there's a small shred of truth, is you look at who LSU has played and how they have played them, and you can easily kind of tell where the news is coming from. If you watch the LSU game this past weekend, they had a quite a bit of trouble in the red zone, 
against a not very good team. So it's not surprising that almost immediately after dominating everybody else for six weeks, the next you know for the next week, whoever they play, they're talking about them on being on a on an upset alert, potentially you know losing to Bama down the street. Okay, well, <laughs> Bama doesn't have their quarterback, so that that makes the story even better. So now people are like, wait, well, let's talk about this. We're going to lose to Bama even though they don't have their quarterback. What is that garbage? So. They start with a little bit of truth, and they blow it out of proportion. Maybe LSU deserves to be two. Maybe they don't, but rankings don't really matter right now, and that's that's what the media is doing. Is until until we get you know the the actual rankings that come out. What is it, in a couple of weeks? It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think I think any ranking before week six or seven is ridiculous and creates ranking inertia, and that's kind of what you're talking about. The other one that pisses me off, and I hate to do this. Because fuck, do I hate Georgia? But how can you justify a one-loss Notre Dame whose only loss is to Georgia ahead of a one-loss Georgia? That's utterly ridiculous to me. Like they actually settled it on the field. We know that Georgia is a better team than Notre Dame. So how is Notre Dame ranked above them? Well, and I also feel like, to your point with Wake Forest, I feel like there are better one-loss teams out there that probably could fill in the rankings a little better, but I don't know. This is, it also goes back to what you were saying before, which is just that the rankings don't really matter. I kind of wish we could just get rid of them, but I, I, I goes back to what I was talking about and what Artem was touching on, which is that, you know, at the end of the day, these are what drive a lot of the viewership. And if you got rid of them, I wonder how many viewers would show up to some of these games that are outside of, you know, the considered the school fans or whatever you want to call them. I think Artem did hit on a good point where you have to have a narrative and polls help create narratives. I mean, it's certainly the easiest way to create a narrative. uh, Because, I mean, rivalries build up over time too, but uh, I think there are... Honestly, they're easily forgotten, too, and uh, I feel like the media has to put a lot of time and effort into building those kind of things up, and unless you're aware of them, it's very difficult to kind of hit on those. I mean, most people wouldn't consider Georgia Tech-Georgia rivalry anymore, and I think (laughs) uh, this might just be me because I know a lot of people still hate Tennessee and Alabama, but... I mean, I don't really consider Tennessee a rivalry anymore because they never play Alabama anywhere near close. They haven't done it in a decade or so, it feels like. But, uh, you know, that's kind of plays into it. Also, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously the fan bases still hold that true. Artem, I, I know you fucking still hate Texas. And if they played Texas, you would, be, you would probably go to that game just to ch- shit all over them. No, I don't enjoy their fans at all. So I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go to that game because then I, you know, do negative things. You'd have, like to, to you'd have to deal with their fan base. Yes, that would be problematic. That's the same reason I don't like going to the Georgia game. Yeah, that's why I never go to Athens. And I, I mean, I really don't care to go to Tech Georgia games in Atlanta. I, t- I tell you what, I've, I've had a hard stretch with some of the fan bases out there. Uh, Duke was not very nice either, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, they actually had fans at a football game? 
uh, yeah, apparently when you do decently, they the fans start to show up. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know. Georgia Tech's got to learn whatever that black magic is. I feel if we win games, that might help. But, you know, we're kind of a long way away from that right now. So, I guess before we go on to the picks of the week, I guess, uh, Artem, do you have any more stuff to add? I think uh, as far as thoughts on uh, Baylor or SMU uh, or uh, App State, for that matter, uh, do you have any feelings uh, on the undefeated teams and where they might stand down the road? Obviously, Baylor still has to play Oklahoma and Texas. SMU, on the other hand, has probably got a pretty easy road to the uh, championship. So, They've just kind of got to make it there. Uh, and then App State's pretty – App State should have a, no problem getting to getting a championship, but we'll find out. But, Artem, do you have any thoughts on those teams? I mean, it's too early. Um, last year we were talking about UNT in the same manner, and then they lost fine.